Take a Ride Podcast. I'm your host here, Starks. You can find me on my Twitter handle at Starks underscore industry. You can also find me on Instagram, One Closing Hero. I'm not here alone. Um, actually, not just that. I have some special guests here. Um, have Jacob, the White Knight here, and the Unicorns. Right, what's, up? what's going on, man? And have the Unicorns, Jay, um, there, and as well as Tony. How you guys doing, man? Yeah, uh, we're do- I'm, I'm doing all right. Um, uh, I start setting, got my partner, Tony, with me today. What's going on, Tony? I'm doing great. I'm uh, enjoying a great looking out my window, Chicago skyline, got a Corona, got the <laughs> Sunday night football on TV. Could not be, could not be much worse. I'll say that. Well, very nice. Um, <laughs> you know, out here living the dream. I watched a lot of football today to root for my saints, of course, but also to keep an eye on some of my fantasy football players. I just, I don't know why I still put myself through the tortures of fantasy football. You know, the most unpredictable game on earth. Seems like such a good idea before the season starts, and I put it together and what, what I think will be a first-place team, and then, you know, football happens. But uh, our saving grace, the NBA regular season, is only about eight days or so away now. So yes. I've got all my industry leagues and dynasty squared away. But looking forward to, to getting into some fantasy basketball talk with y'all, man. Thanks for having us on. Hey, no problem. Absolutely. And real quick, uh, Tony, you from Atlanta? I am. I am. Atlanta born and raised. Atlanta fan through and through. My Falcons got just brutal loss today. Hey, um, man, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if you follow baseball too much, but I, I hope you're an Atlanta Braves I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, man, I'm a Braves fan too. Oh, it, does, it does suck, man. <laughs> man, I, so the thing is, actually, I was, I was in Atlanta visiting my oh, family man. last week, and so I went to game two, and I, and I went to game five, uh, oh, and it was, it was horrible. <laughs> It was, it was the single worst sporting event that I, I've ever been to live. Mm. To see 10 runs scored in one inning, let alone the first inning. I've been watching a lot of baseball in my life, and uh, I've never seen that many batters go up uh, in one inning. It was, it was absolutely the most brutal thing I've ever seen. Mm. It's good to see the Cardinals getting thwomped by the, uh, by the Nationals, though. Because I did not want to see them go any further. I did not like them at all. <laughs> oh yeah, I can't. I can't imagine that. So you guys, we're we're gonna have this jam pack episode. There's four of us going on, so it's gonna be a pretty much a party. So forgive us if we're you know bouncing back and forth, but we have some interesting pieces of things to get to. It's going to be more of a of a game that we're going to bring up as time progresses on in this episode. But uh, before we get going, I just want to say I'm ready to take people on for a ride. So for this segment in particular, what we're going to talk about is uh, some basically some flyer-worthy players that you can consider at the end of your draft, whether it's redraft or points leagues. You might even consider in a dynasty league. Well, in a dynasty league, it might be different. You might have to pay a little bit higher. But with that said, I'll pass the ball to you, Jay. Is there anybody particular that you want to let the, the fans know who you're taking maybe a, a late-round flyer on in a redraft league? Yeah, so uh, you know, as a, as a dynasty focused podcast and website on our part, I think it'll be fun to, to get into some redraft here. But my first pick for a, a player I love taking a flyer on this year is the original gangster OG Ananobi. Um, mm-hmm. I'm sure countless mm-hmm. people have used that lame joke when referring to him, but I've never used it, <laughs> so you know I couldn't help it this one time. Um, 
I'll, I'll try to keep this one kind of short. You know, you know, look, I'm I'm a sucker for the triple one guys. Always have been, and Ananobi is similar to Jonathan Isaac in the regard that, you know, he's that long wing forward type who can get you those steals, blocks, and threes. And last year, between his injuries, a death in the family, and just being marginalized because of how competitive his team was, Ananobi couldn't get that crucial on court development time. But now, going into his third season, I expect the great Nick Nurse to uh, unleash OG. Uh, don't be surprised if he starts off kind of slow. Uh, I would actually be more surprised if he didn't because of the above reasons I gave. But I believe in his abilities. I believe in his coaching. And I expect uh, OG to take a massive leap this year. Nice, nice. And let me steal the ball and pass it back to you. Where do you think he may finish at, at the end of the season as far as like maybe um, ADP-wise, you think? So I'm trying to remember what I had, where I put him on the on the redraft radar. But I have him taking a, a huge leap, like I said, because um, – Last year, I don't think he's ever finished inside the top, like even 250. Like I think he was yeah. at 300 last year. But so I have, I have him taking a huge leap to around 125 this year. So you know, okay. just just right there on the standard league radar, or right around uh, one of those later round picks. Nice, nice, Jacob. Do you have any late round flyers that you want to touch up on for the listeners, man? Um. Yeah. Uh, so I think that uh, Ananobi picks actually pretty good because i see him i i heard i heard that the raptors refused to trade him so i mean that's a good sign for what they are expecting of him this year um but i'm going to this is this is like a pretty deep like probably like your last pick or like your second second to last pick but Mm um i'm a fan i'm a fan of landry shamit this year i really think he can make some noise as a as more than just a streamer um for those Mm -hmm. For those three pointers, I really think he can provide um, a few assists. Um, I think he can. I think he can steal two. I think he can at least average like 12, 12 to fourteen points. I mean, I think he's definitely a guy that you can grab late, and especially when you know when the uh, inevitable load managing comes for um, uh, Leonard and George. I think. I think those are the games that you target him to ball out. So, yeah, um, I'm going to target him with my last few picks for sure. Nice, nice. Tony, do you have anybody in particular? Yeah, um, there are a few guys I think that could break out into the scene. The the Shamit and uh, mm. Ananobi picks are, are good. Those are actually good dynasty picks too. Um, mm-hmm. Redraft or mm-hmm. dynasty. Um so one guy that I have is, is definitely more of a redraft focus than a dynasty one. Uh, but he's someone who I think is definitely capable of breaking onto the scene a little bit more this year. Uh, and that's Thomas Sadoransky. He had a great mm-hmm. campaign this summer uh, in the FIBA. Did a good job with his country to the Czech Republic. Traded, uh, or no, signed by Chicago this offseason. An interesting decision for them because they do have a few options in point guard, but you know, Chris Dunn and Kobe White are both really young guys. They both make a lot of mistakes. I think Sadoransky could play as a combo guard with both of them. Uh, and they're going to need someone with a bit more of a steady hand in that offense to feed uh, Laurie and Wendell Carter Jr. Uh, so it makes sense that Sadoransky would be given a larger role than the one that he had in Washington. Uh, I, last year, in you know, he provided late-round value in standard leagues, sitting around 135, and I think that I could see him 
potentially going in, at a best case scenario, potentially breaking the top 100. And, mm-hmm. you know, I don't think his floor is that, is that low. I think that he could definitely provide that 130 value and potentially 120, you know, just very easily. What he gives you is assists, steals, good field goal percentage for a guard, which is difficult to find. And he doesn't turn the ball over too much and he'll turn the ball over less in the Chicago scheme. So late in the draft, if you're looking for assists and you're looking for steals from a point guard and you don't want to tank your field goal percentage, Sadoransky is definitely someone uh, to look for. Although I think that it's possible that some people could be reaching for him in you know your 10th, 9th, 10th round uh, in your standard leagues. But if he's there, take him. I think he's a really good bet. Nice. I like it. Let me ask you a question on top of that. Are you concerned with the, the Russian roulette or musical chairs or spin the bottle with the point guard position in Chicago, though, at all? I, I think that, you know, at the end of your draft, you're willing to take a bet at that point yeah. on someone who, you know, is going to be in a timeshare situation. And, and the reason why I like Sadoransky is, is because of what I mentioned earlier, which is that Dunn's 25, Kobe White is a rookie they're both done has, you know, I think we all know has serious shortcomings offensively, yeah. not a great ball handler. He's a great ball stopper, but mm-hmm. offensively, you know, Dunn and Sadoransky can share the floor. Sadoransky can share the floor with white. Um, and they're going to want to develop Kobe white as an off ball spot up shooter as well. Uh, Cause he has the ability to do that. So I think it's really possible that Sadoransky could see the ball in his hands a lot. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think that it's, it's likely that Kobe white, and Dunn are going to share minutes potentially more, especially uh, if the Bulls end up being better than expected. Uh, they're going to want to keep the ball in Sadoransky's hands since he's the veteran on the team. I definitely like it. Definitely like it. Now, this one's going to be hooked on phonics. So, Jay, help me out if you don't mind. So, <laughs> the guy that I have on my list here, he's more of a dynasty ad, but to be honest with you, I would not be surprised if he becomes, and I honestly think he's going to be a redraft player, and that's Nikhil Alexander-Walker, Nah. Oh, um, my so, boy. Oh, is that one of your guys? So, yeah, he, I, that's I, one of Jay's. Jay loves Nah. Well, as, as a Pelicans <laughs> fan, you know, I, I, obviously as a Pelicans fan, he's, he's, he's one of my guys. You know, I got a, I got a lot of guys on, on my Pelicans squad <laughs> this year. We were actually I just bet, talking I bet about you him do. recently, uh, earlier today, um, when we were recording, we, we, we were talking a good bit about him. So I'm, glad you, I'm glad you brought him up. He's a, he's a good pick for sure. Okay, so I, I bet, yeah, I mean, the Pelicans, obviously, with the, all the great players and how great that offense is going to be this year. So the thing is, even in a redraft, Dynasty League, I would just it's, it's pretty much easy. You, you got to have him on your team. Um, but obviously, looking at the depth charts of New Orleans, you got, you know, Lonzo, and then it's like J.J. Redick, is he going to be ahead of him? Then Josh Hart. Now, I can – I'm – can easily say that I'm willing to say Walker is going to be better than Hart this year. Hart is unfortunate. I still kind of believe in him, but by looking at non, I know this is just the preseason and stuff of that nature, but there's certain players that you need to actually take focus of in, in preseason. And he's one of the guys that I definitely am excited yeah. to see, especially with the highest assist rate. And actually not even that, this steal rate that he did in college with 1.9, mm-hmm. that's nothing to take lightly. And if he can get time on the floor, and that's a big if. I mean, that team is so stacked with Drew Holiday, Brandon. I mean, Ingram, you guys probably know how I feel about him. But, you know, Zion Williamson, Derek Favors, that team is loaded. But I think the talent for Nah, he has to find a way on the floor, I think, this year. Even if it's not even getting the 20-minute the range, rotation minutes, I think as time progresses on in the season, 
he's going to find a way on his floor this this year. I would not be surprised at that. Even if it's a six-man role, he is that good that I believe that he can be as a rookie, and I'm, I'm all in in that aspect for him. And maybe I'm, I'm drinking the, the juice, the echo, and the hype train <laughs> as well as that, but I am with that. So with that being said, I'll pass you the ball there, Jay. Is there any uh, anybody else you want to talk about as well? Uh, before, well, I guess before we leave Alexander Walker, I just wanted to mention, you know, that's, that's kind of the point we were talking about as well is that – with how impressive he's been in preseason mm-hmm. so far, like how I don't know how Alvin Gentry can keep him off the court. You know, he's yeah. going to have to take minutes either from Atwan Moore or Frank Jackson or something like that. But he has to earn. He ha- he's earned his minutes in preseason so, so far. You know, that summer league wasn't just a blip on the radar. He's 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 something special. So, um, mm. yeah, I guess for my next one, um. I'll just go with, I'll go with one more here for Alex Lynn. Um, you know, this pick is going to tickle Tony's fancy and upset him all at the same time because he's a Hawks fan. Um, so this pick <laughs> isn't, it's not as much about me believing in Alex Lynn as much as it is about me disbelieving in their other options. Um, I don't believe John Collins can be a full-time center at this point in his career. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. John Collins is going to be a great fantasy asset and a great player. I just don't know if he can play full-time center yet. Um, he's publicly stated that uh, he wants to prove to coach Lloyd Pierce that he's versatile enough to play up a position at small forward. So look, as long as he can remain healthy, I think Pierce will be creative with his lineup. He's got a lot of prototypical big wings to work with that will force Collins to at least play some center, but Alex Lynn should just get the majority of center minutes. Damian Jones is fine. He has the Warriors experience and is still relatively young, but I don't foresee him really getting much run, but... Well, let's just, let's just get to it. So I recently wrote an article on popular ideas going into this fantasy season that I believe are worth a second look. And one of the topics I brought up is how high people are on Bruno Fernando. And I'll just come right out and say it. I'm, I'm like, I'm not. Um, that, that, that is to say I don't like Fernando as a real-life on-court basketball asset. Uh, I, think, I think he can be an asset for your team, uh, not just for this year, but he'll definitely develop into – an asset uh, in a couple years as well, and he could even develop more of an offensive game um, and be that much more valuable. So um, I, I'm probably not going to draft him with my last pick, but I'm definitely going to keep him on my watch list and pounce if I'm like losing in steals or if I'm just desperate in steals and, uh, and I don't want anyone to hurt my turnovers and my field goal percentage, which he definitely won't. Um, so... I really like him, and definitely in a deep league, I'm keeping my eye on him as a last pick, as a last pick flyer too. Um, yeah, he's, that's a good you, pick. I like him too. Nice. nice. What, what play, what, yeah. Now, obviously, my phone or uh, something have, having some good chicken problems over here. So, Tony, was you, <laughs> able, you right, able, <laughs> was you able to touch up on someone there, Tony? I, I missed out on everything there. Uh, uh, Tony, I going. No, I, I went with oh. Alex Lynn, and then Jacob um, went with Bruce Brown. Oh, mm-hmm. Bruce Brown. Okay. Who Bruce you got Brown Jr. Yeah. And I like the Bruce Brown pick because he, he's someone who, you know, he was a second round pick, wasn't really given much of an opportunity. He mm-hmm. didn't think he'd get much of an opportunity. But then just because on defense alone, and you see this sometimes with, you know, rookies who can play defense, they get minutes. And, right. you know, Jacob, to your point, he has a few offensive tools. He you know, mm-hmm. has developed his jumper a little bit. He's a nice slasher. He might have an opportunity in Detroit. I do wonder with Seku Dumbaya, you know, Dumbaya is going to spend some time in the G League, but 
you know, it's going to be interesting there with the minutes, uh, how that's going to play out. But Bruce Brown is, is in a good situation with the Pistons. Uh, my next, my next flyer pick is, is actually another, we're, we clearly like young, younger players, um, yeah. <laughs> we're definitely skewed towards that, uh, trend, but I, I'm going to go with another young player, high upside player, uh, and that's Ivica Zubats, um, mm. for the LA Clippers. I, I, you know, I love his story. I think that he showed flashes last season with the Lakers of being a really smart player he's got really nice touch around the rim he's a good passer and he is a decent defender he can get rebounds and he gets blocks super tall and he's mobile he can defend in the pick and roll um and i think that it's going to be a timeshare situation this year with the clippers between zubac and montrezl montrezl harrell uh between those two guys you know it's very possible that zubac could see his minutes increase because harrell is not very uh, skilled around the rim. He can really only catch lobs and rebound and, and block. Zubac does all of those things while also being able to finish with floaters and hooks and also being a, an above passer, plus passer, um, while still actually doing all the things that, that, that Montrezl does. So to me, I, I'm, I'm definitely targeting Zubac. I think that last, last year he finished... Uh, in the you know low low 170 range, so you know definitely not on the radar for redraft uh, standard leagues. But this season with the Clippers, as we said with with Shamit, you know the Clippers rotation is not going to be clear every single day. There are going to be guys missing. There are going to be lots of minutes to go around. Zubats is definitely one of the main guys on that roster, and it's possible that he could go off for some big games. So. Overall, uh, it's very possible that he could finish in the in the 150 to 140 range um, in a good situation, and that's great because he's not really going to be on many people's radar um, in the in the standard league format. And as a result of that, you could get him for really late uh, in a draft, and you know, in that point, if he provides you with that 150 140 value, then you know that that's a win. Yeah, you're definitely going to be cutting coupons from from him in particular just because of the points that you made with him, in particular with the Clippers. And one thing that I want to mention on top of that is, you know, people are going to forget because when he when he actually moved over there, the logic and thought was, well, he's going to get a, a quick instant boost in value. And it seemed like he would it's like we wanted him to get all that value in return. And it seemed like it just didn't come back. So to be honest with you, I can see maybe even a small bounce back where a lot of people started to fade away from him in particular just because he didn't produce when he moved over and i mean and, and the thing is about him is you're going to get that close value and i and i actually agree with you on that that closer to 140 to 150 range that he could be um as as the as the year starts um this year so real quick right. going on to to washington <clears throat> side of things and again it's about to be another hooked on phonics for me um i know listeners <laughs> been getting on me about this is uh Rui Hachimura, I, I think this guy in particular is mm. going to give you fantasy relevance this year uh, just because of Washington. I wouldn't say they're a wasteland team, but they're borderline um, the cusp of being more of the younger talent of one of the people that I was a, a main backwards of before the season started last year was Thomas Bryant. So they're going to go with the youth movement, and that also gives me the idea of Bradley Bill. You know, I don't know if you guys heard, I'm sure you did, the rumor circulating around with him and Chris Paul maybe going to Miami. I would not be surprised, but 
Um, the thing is, with the youth movement there, John Wall is obviously out for the whole season. So it's like, you know, do you really believe Bertans is going to start over him? I know there was a report saying that he was, and as time progressed on, actually now it seems like Ruiz is going to get the start. I consider him a player that could be – I don't try to – I try not to do player comparisons, but he gives me the image and the idea of him being like a a Rudy Gay type player that he could potentially give mm. you – um, you know, at least 18 to 20 points. I'm not saying he's going to do that this year, um, but I think he's going to give a decent value. Now, he's not going to give you the stock stats either, but I can see him as time progresses on even maybe around the middle or the end of the season. He could be an 18 and 8 type of player uh, because they're going to need scoring. Obviously, it's not just going to be Bradley Bill, and it's still to be seen what Isaiah Thomas is going to provide this year. I mean, he's already ailing with injuries, yeah. so that's where I stand with him. Now, as far as where he maybe finishes at, uh, this year, it's it's really tough to say, but I will say as a late round um, flyer, I consider him. If you're in a ten to twelve man redraft league, I think you can get. You're obviously going to get him past the hundreds, and if you're willing to pay, maybe close to the eleventh or twelfth round, that's where I'm going to actually touch up on him at. So yeah, uh, opportunity is the name of the game in Washington right. this year, and uh, you know I, I I like how Thomas Bryant actually he does complement Hachimura. Um, pretty well at least on the offensive end where you know Hajimura he, he he took uh eight threes today I believe you know he can he, he'll try to space the floor and it'll it'll right. allow Hachimura to kind of roam down a little closer to the goal a little bit so I, I like Brian I, I don't mind that Thomas pick. Bryant took eight threes just yeah, what, to, what did to I be say? clear you said Hachimura oh took eight threes. oh my god oh, <laughs> oh, hey, 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 hey no hey man this, hey, hey no you, hey you guys in the right podcast we, we turned the ball over a lot so that's right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well it's but the thing is that Thomas Bryant he he went 50 percent he hit four of yeah, eight wow and he's like six ten it's wild yeah. yeah, but you know what's funny is I think I forgot I had the stat line. I can't pull it up now, but I think he was one for eight at the free throw line. Now that's just something he's not going to do. But he was really poor at the free throw line tonight. Um, yeah, so right. So moving forward, we're going to get to the next segment. This one's more of the the fun, more funner things of things. I guess you could say this is going to be like an expert battle royal. Essentially, what this is going to consist of is just us putting someone on the spotlight, but everybody's going to get a chance to speak on a player. Uh, of what we think they can do this year and how they end at the end of the season. So, you know, collectively going through what we think, uh, we'll kind of give them a thumbs up and say, hey, you know, I think they'll finish around that range or kind of give them a thumbs down. Be like, no, we don't think so because of this. So a player that I want to nominate, actually, and I'll pass the ball to somebody here randomly, is a player I know that we're going to all have a dis... Well, I honestly, I believe this because I believe I'm the only person on the island, so I'll make this easier for everybody. So it's probably going to be a three against one. So the player <laughs> that I want to nominate here is the player off the Knicks, the Wasteland team, and it's Dennis Smith Jr. I'll pass you the ball there, Tony. What's your thoughts on him, and where do you see him finishing at the end of the season? Man, Dennis Smith Jr. So first let me say that I if, if if Washington isn't a wasteland team, then I don't know what is a wasteland team. I would yeah. if I'm if I'm a wizard today, it's going to take some serious magic magic to turn uh, that franchise into anything other than a wasteland. But uh, Dennis Smith Jr. on the Knicks, it, it's I think it's interesting. I think with Dennis Smith Jr., there's so many questions about the timeshare there. Alfred Payton is a steadier hand; he's got more experience, and I'm actually pretty high on Payton this year to to come out and get a ton of assists like he usually does. Um, and also Frank Milikina 
talented French player, had a good campaign in FIBA. Mm -hmm. So there are some questions about who's going to get the minutes there. But Dennis Smith Jr., I think a lot of us forgot how good of a year he had his rookie year before the Mavericks got Luka Doncic. He was a real surprise. A lot of people didn't really think that he was going to be as good as he was. He's a dynamic scorer. He plays above the rim. He can pass. He can shoot. Does a lot of different things. So I'm actually a fan of Dennis Smith Jr., as funny as it is. Um, recently, I, I just finished up uh, a draft, um, a 20-team draft. And in that draft, I actually took Dennis Smith Jr. And let me just pull up where I took him. I took him at 103. Uh-huh. So maybe that's that might I don't know where you have him finishing. <laughs> One hundred three is pretty high. This I'll admit that it's a it's a dynasty league, so it's not a, it's not a redraft situation. So dynasty league, um, I took him at one hundred three because I actually really believe in him. I think that he's someone who the Knicks are looking for answers, and he's so dynamic that he's going to have an opportunity. The question is how well is he going to blend with RJ Barrett, and that's really what I'm looking at. Um, you know, that, that's the big question mark for me and Dennis Smith Jr. is how is he going to fit with this young team? And is he really going to, to take that starting point guard job uh, and, and hold it uh, decisively with so much depth there with Peyton and Milikina? Nice. Jacob, what do you have on him? So Dennis Smith Jr. is a mysterious case, like I was saying uh, a few podcasts ago. I mean, I just... Uh, he had so much potential and he just he just lit the world on fire in his rookie year and like everyone loved him it was like oh he's such a steal at pick seven or eight or wherever he went uh but it's just yeah i mean uh it's it's just a bummer to see it's just a bummer to see to see him tailor off but i think he's in the right situation like the knicks wanted him obviously when they were trying to get rid of Porzingis um Mm-hmm. They they thought he was worth taking a gamble on because they liked what he saw uh, early uh, in his career. So I am completely fine with taking um, a late a late a late stab at him. Now, as far as where he finishes, it's vastly different between points and nine cat. Uh, in points, um, I would be delighted to get him in the last round or so because he should be able to play a lot of minutes there and produce even if it's inefficient i mean he's going to produce uh some numbers in points leagues now the turnovers won't be fun but i mean i think he'll do enough to garner at least somewhere between 150 and 200 which would be higher than um what he usually ends up with that's for sure uh, and that's strictly in a points league in a nine cat I'd be a little bit more weary now. It's to- you know I'm totally cool taking a last stab at him uh, at the last round. Uh, just I wouldn't be afraid to pull the trigger and drop him if you know if he struggles out of the gate. You know, so uh, I'm not I'm not high on him, but I'm I'm not high on him in nine cat league, but I'm definitely high on him in points league as a late round flyer who could who could vastly um, out outplay his ADP. Nice. So you say thumbs up for points with thumbs down for redraft. A hundred percent. Okay. Yeah. And, yeah. And, th- and then Jay, what's your thoughts and what thumbs do you give, man? Uh, just to clarify, uh, when me and Tony give ranks, we're, we're all, we're always going to be doing category ranks unless we specify. Otherwise, I just wanted mm. to put that out there. Sure. Uh, sure. <laughs> Good point. Good point. 
Um, yeah, uh, I don't know if I if I love. Yes. <laughs> um, yes. That's so, fair. So I don't. I don't. I don't know how much we, how many, how much playing time we can expect Dennis Smith Jr. to get when you have guys like Alfred Payton there and R.J. Barrett, who his best um, skill coming coming into here, you know, besides maybe scoring, would be passing. Uh, you know, he he should be in a somewhat of a facilitating facilitating role at some point this year, and not that Dennis Smith is the best distributor um, from the beginning, but you know, he's more of an athletic get get you points kind of guy and you know i don't hate him um mm-hmm. we've all we've all mentioned his his um good rookie year and he just kind of fell off mm-hmm. last year and i don't know i i think i'm with you guys that uh he's worth he's definitely worth a last round flyer just as a as a just in case kind of thing um mm-hmm. but between the Knicks coaching and this depth chart it just I, I try. I try to avoid Knicks as much as possible, other than Mitchell Robinson. <laughs> oh man! No, you know what's funny about this? Because like I'm, I'm gonna be honest. I'm pleasantly surprised on what Tony thought. Because like I, it, it, like honestly, like I, I still believe in Dennis Smith Jr. So Jay, I mean that makes it makes sense of what you were saying also because just looking at the situation in New York, and then obviously you know Tony and Jacob, you guys elaborated as well as like how this team is and. Alfred Payton, Frank Nilakina, and mm-hmm. it's just like you you're, you're typically are playing musical chairs and spin the bottle over there. Now, I'll say this with the New York Knicks. I, it's funny, you, you know, Tony, you had mentioned, you know, if there's any Wasteland team, I don't know who is, but New York is. And it's funny because I am working on an, an article on Wasteland teams, and that's one of them. And one thing I'll at least share before, you know, putting that blog out is I believe, and, and I'll take this L, and I expect it probably to this year. The thing about me is what I try to go against the grain because I know the consensus is most of the consensus is the DSJ is not a player that will probably be, be, be good this year. And it's understandable because of the percentages doesn't show it. The field goal percentage, the efficiency is just trash. You know, let's not beat around the bush about that, <laughs> especially when he was in Dallas. You know, he had the opportunity there before, you know, Luca came, the Luca show came. And he didn't, he didn't, you know, he didn't do well. And then Luca came, he still didn't do well. Even last year, going to New York, okay, well, here's his opportunity to do something. And he failed again, you know, the end of last season. So it's like, what's giving you that indication that he's going to be good this year? To be honest with you, there's no stats or analytics that's going to really show. Obviously, in the college, that you can utilize that stat, but is it going to translate in the NBA? One thing that sticks out to me is what, Jay had mentioned, like, opportunity is a, is a monster and a beast. But at the same time, even if you have opportunity, it doesn't always necessarily mean you're going to be a good player. But one thing I also noticed with the Knicks that I kind of prefaced before this article is out is, who's going to score there? Mitch Robinson is not going to be a 24-point scorer. Now, if he is, I'll, you know, I'll, be, I'll accept, I'll eat my crow, but I don't think he's more of a, a scorer. He's more of a block specialist. Obviously, Mitch, Mitch Robinson's good. Now, who's going to score? Julius Randle, yeah, he's going to be the scorer off the team. And then R.J. Barrett, he's going to have some pretty good games, but with the rookie, he's going to be inconsistent as well. And then let's not talk about Knox. I mean, Knox, hopefully he can do something this year, but they're going to mm-hmm. need scoring from somebody. And Dennis Smith Jr., he's, he's going to be inconsistent too, but I believe they're going to need some scoring, not from just Randall, maybe not from just Barrett, but Dennis Smith is going to have to step up. Now, all, obviously, it looks bad because this preseason that's been going on, 
he hasn't been there, right? He's been dealing with these back ailments. So it's easily to push him actually back further in drafts. Now, and even Yahoo and his ADP is about the 200 range, I believe. Man, you're cutting coupons. You're going to steal him and get a bargain from him at any league. Now, Tony, I think you mentioned 103. If you got him around that range, to be honest with you, I think that's okay. But it, it is a little rich. I should add. Let me let me add that it was also it was also an, a uh, a real salary. It was a okay. real salary twenty team dynasty league. So that 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 should provide a little more reference as to why I would sure. take him that high. He's still right. on his rookie contract, so I think he has he's going to outperform that contract this year, in my opinion. Sure, that makes sense because I was going to say I would I would have waited, but yeah, if you're in that type of format, that makes perfect sense. Because you would be able to get him a lot later than that in a lot of leagues, especially you know his Definitely. his value for what it is right now. Definitely. So, yeah, I will pass the ball there to. I guess we'll everybody will get a shot, and then we'll kind of close shop here because I know we're getting closer to the end. Um, I'll pass the ball there to Tony. Is there someone that you want to nominate and let us touch upon, man? Yeah, I, I'm. I'm curious about the the what the chatter is going to be. Um, so I'm nominating Kelly Oubre to be discussed. Um, he had a big, uh, Jay's probably, Jay, was that you laughing? I think Jay's laughing because he knows that uh, uh, I'm not a fan. I don't like Kelly Oubre. Uh, I, I just, it's, it's a little bit has to do with my, my Atlanta background. He's someone we traded our pick uh, in the 2000, I think 16 draft. Um, and picked and got Tim Hardaway Jr. Kelly Uber has been in the league for a while at this point. It's his fourth season. I think he's this is his year going into restricted free agency. He's going to be playing for a contract, so he's going to be playing hard. But the main issue, main reason why I'm not a full believer in Kelly Uber is the Phoenix situation. I just don't like Phoenix. I don't trust Phoenix. I'm not really clear on what decisions they're making. They drafted cam johnson he played they played you know sort of similar position three four um they brought in dario saric for some reason i can't really understand um and and overall i just don't really see how kelly Oubre um is, is going to carve out minutes in that rotation especially if the suns for whatever reason are looking to um you know compete or actually be good uh you know, Devin Booker is the main guy in in Phoenix, uh, and with Rubio there, he's Rubio is going to be the stabilizing force who's handling the ball, uh, and then obviously Aiton is going to take care of most of the rebounding and uh, and you know inside scoring duties. What is there left for Kelly Oubre to do? And on top of that, Kelly Oubre has a, a long history of making some pretty poor decisions out on the floor doesn't really shoot a very good percentage, isn't a great three-point shooter. He's, he's decent. He, he's able to hit a few. He, last year, he had one and a half threes a game. But, you know, he doesn't really shoot a great percentage from three. And, you know, I, I, he just, I just don't really believe that he's someone who's going to top out. And he's 23, so if you're picking him in, in, a, in a dynasty format, you're hoping that he's going to perform. I, I don't think he will. And then in redraft. I think a lot of people are very high on him, at least from what I'm, what I can tell, and I think that he probably is going to underperform where he might get drafted. So uh, I, I see Kelly Oubre um, sort of sitting in the. Uh, I, I think it's possible that he could be drafted as high as as eighty, 
um, in some dynasties as, as high as 80 in dynasty mm. and, and, in, yeah. and in redraft being taken in the, in the 100, 110 range. But obviously I don't really know if he's really going to produce at that level. And that sure. makes me nervous, you know, and, right. and I don't, I just don't really believe. Right. And let me steal the ball and pass it back real quick to you. Where do you think he finishes at ADP Y this year in redraft league? What's that? Tony? Oh, I'm sorry. I was talking to myself on mute there. Um, in, in redraft, <laughs> I, I could see him. Uh, I, I could see him providing somewhere in the in the 100 range, right? Okay. Um, okay. But the question okay. is, but the question is, people are going to be drafting him higher. Than yeah. That. So uh, drafting him at 80. That's for me. That's a quick thumbs down. So right. you know, I'll, I'll pass the ball to what you guys think is it a thumbs up, thumbs down. What you guys think, Jay? Jacob, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna cop out here, and I'm not gonna give a thumbs up <laughs> or a thumbs down. I'm, my, my thumb's sitting sideways, and it's gonna stay that way because I, I think I, I'm pretty much on. I guess I'm on par with uh, with what Tony's saying around 100. I think I have, I'll have him a little bit higher uh, between like 80, 90, something like that. I don't expect him to take a massive leap from what he did last year, like some, like some do. You know, the last two months of the season, he averaged 1.9 steals per game. I don't think that's real. I don't think that's going to continue because he's never averaged anything like that before um, in his professional career. And um, like, uh, I, I share some of the concerns that that Tony does with this Phoenix Suns roster. I don't know how long it's going to take them to get it right. Um, Monty Williams is an okay offensive coach. He's not particularly good defensively. Um, and I don't know if that's going to benefit or, or, or hurt Kelly Oubre here. And luckily they got rid of Josh Jackson and some of the depth chart competition, but there's still Mikhail Bridges, who I believe in a little more than Oubre there. And, you know, they, they took Cam Johnson a lot higher than most expected to. So they got other wings to play there. And I just, I think. Very I'm, high. Yeah, very, yeah, way, way higher than expected. So I think I might be right around um, what Tony was thinking, maybe just a tad bit higher. Okay, nice, nice, Jacob, man. Yeah, um, everything you're saying about Ubre is fair for sure. I just know when he got traded from the Wizards to the Suns, his, um, you know, his minutes barely spiked. Like I think like a few minutes, but I mean his um, his steals went up, his blocks went up. Like uh, uh, like uh, Jay said, his steals went up a lot. Um, which it might not be real. It may. I mean, like, I just think if he is starting or at least getting those valuable backup minutes for the Suns who have tried to climb its way out of being a wasteland team, as Stars would say, um, I think they find him valuable for his defense. I mean, so he's going to get those minutes as a, he's going to average, I mean, at least one steal. And he averaged a block a game when he was on the Suns for uh, once he was traded. So, I mean, like those, 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 those are some valuable counting stats. Now I wasn't really looking his way towards drafts because I, I, I personally would rather have some people who are going in the same range than him, but I don't, I don't think you should shy away if he drops a little further, like in like, you know, like what you're saying, like the one ten range and stuff. Like if you can find him in the, uh, you know, in the, in the eighth or ninth round, I think it's worth a shot just because, um, you know, like when he did go over to the Suns, he, uh, 
he was making almost two threes a game. He was one and a half steals, one block, and um, his point shot up to 17. Now, I know there's a lot of mouths to feed now. They just got Sarge, like you were saying, Tony, and that's totally understandable. Um, but if he is getting those minutes, I mean, every coach appreciates those hustle stats. And if he's going to if he's going to play defense, like uh, if if he's going to play defense, he's going to find minutes and he's going to get those. He's going to get those counting stats, which could, you know, like vault him into the top hundred. I personally don't think he will, but I I think he'll be on the outside looking in just barely. Um, I think uh, so. I specialize in points leagues here, um, so I mean, I think he definitely finishes somewhere in the nineties, like uh, you know, and but in a a nine cat, I mean, he's not he's he's not that he's not that far behind. So uh, I just I just really like those counting stats for sure. Yeah, you got you guys are pretty optimistic. I I, I won't be touching them with a forty five and a half foot pole, but you know, that's just me. <laughs> but uh, let's move okay. forward here. Um, so real quick there, I know Tony and I touched up on a nominated player. Who wants to be next there? No, I'll be next, Starks. Um, okay. So uh, another guy I think a lot of people are sleeping on, uh, and he kind of he uh, he took a step forward last year um, is Spencer Dinwiddie. I'm a huge fan of this guy, and not just because I graduated from the University of Colorado Boulder where <laughs> he went, uh, but I really. Th- Every year he's been in the NBA, he's gotten better. Like uh, the year before last, um, he played in 80 games where he averaged 12 points, low turnovers, uh, assists were at around seven. Um, He's a very efficient player uh, in those 28 minutes. Well, he got the same minutes last year, and he bumped it up to 17 points a game. His field goal percentage was over, um, over... 500 his threes are almost at two and i think he's entering his age 26 season i think he's going to enter his prime and spike that up even more i can see him averaging 18 points i can see him averaging almost a steal a game um and low turnovers a very efficient player which should be music to the nine cat owners leagues um to take him in like the mid rounds or so. I mean, you know, and I was talking about this earlier, how um, Kyrie Irving is bound to miss a few games here or there. Uh, And once he does, he's, you know, you know, he's going to, he's going to ball out in those games. Um, And also there's going to be no KD. So this is strictly redraft, but even when KD returns uh in two years i still think he'll hold valuable or he'll hold value as a sixth man even though he'll still be a sixth man this year but he's just great in that six man role where he thrives with the second unit uh so i'm a huge dinwiddie guy i think uh, i think uh he'll finish right around right around 100 i think he's he'll be on the outside looking in uh but yeah 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 Nice. nice. I, I think I think that's about right um, where I have him at. Essentially, it's it's just because I think you you touched up on a point of Kyrie, and at the same time, Karis Levert. You know, are they going right. to be healthy the whole season? So I give that you know almost like Jay middle thumbs, but I think I'm going to give it a <laughs> thumbs up in that aspect. So Jay, what's your thoughts on that, and what's your thumbs go for him? Um, I think I'm actually going to go thumbs down a little bit because. Um, you know, last year he actually finished 19 spots lower than he did the year before. Um, 
his usage rate actually did fall some with D'Angelo Russell mm-hmm. there. And now with a guy like Kyrie Irving in town, I, I don't think we can expect the usage rate to remain the same. I think it drops off, it tailors off a little bit more. And Kenny Atkinson, Kenny Atkinson already came out and said that they want to get the ball in Karis LeVert's hands as much as possible, even if it means taking it out of Kyrie's hands at times, which I don't know how much we can believe that last part there. But, hmm. um, you know, Karis LeVert is their guy. Now, the one concern that you guys have brought up is is the injury history, and that goes for LeVert and especially Kyrie, who's been right. known to miss some games. Now, while they're out, either, either one of them, I, I expect Dinwiddie to step up, and he will be that somewhere around the top 100 um, level. But... Um, I'm going to say he, he falls off just a little bit from there. I, I have him around top, uh, around 120, 125, something like that. So I'm not too far off from where you guys are saying. Um, mm-hmm. I just think with the words that they've, they've come out with uh, as far as giving the ball to Levert, and now they have Kyrie in town who should see something similar to what D'Angelo Russell saw last year. Um, you know, it, it, it doesn't look great. Now, one, I guess I'll say one more thing. One thing that does kind of help Dinwiddie out is that Kenny Atkinson has proven he doesn't like to play his players more than around 30 minutes per game. Um, so I don't think Kyrie will get many more minutes than 30 per game, and same for Levert. So, you know, mm-hmm. it will be like a three-guard rotation between those three guys. So that could help him out as well. Mm-hmm. Nice, nice. Tony? Yeah, I, I also think I, I'm, I'm actually – like, uh, I, I think I'm a thumbs up. I think I, I agree, but I don't think it's any higher than what we're kind of saying here. I don't think that Dinwiddie is going to overperform. I don't think he's going to be given the opportunity to overperform just because of the way that this roster is being set up. Now, that said, I do think that he is going to be the main guy who's getting the secondary ball handler duty. Right, and with the Nets now, they're going to be a really good team. So it's possible that they're going to be up a lot in a lot of games, and maybe they sit Kyrie Irving a bunch. Uh So that means Dinwiddie is going to get, you know, the opportunity to get more minutes and play more and play meaningful minutes with the ball in his hands. So uh, I don't know. I actually think that Dinwiddie, like I I was, my initial thought when you first brought him up, I was like, oh, I don't know. And then kind of hearing the arguments here, listening to you guys talk about him. I'm kind of warming up to the idea a little bit. And I think that the reason for that is that they really don't have anyone else on the roster to be a backup point guard and a backup ball handler exactly. behind Irving. And, and LeVert could get those minutes, um, could get those opportunities in the usage when Kyrie is sitting. But LeVert's also had his fair share of injury issues. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out in Dinwiddie. Has been there since the beginning. He knows Atkinson's system. Kenny Atkinson's mm-hmm. a great coach. Um, I, I like this pick. I actually think that, that Dinwiddie's a good high-floor option. He's going to be solid this year. He's not going to wow anyone. Yeah. He's definitely going to be... Um, right. Gonna, you know, he's not going to disappoint you either. Yeah, that's that's funny that you mentioned that. Like, uh, to me, and I mean, it's just an opinion. He's a he's a boring player, but I mean, hey, he he'll provide a value for you. So, that's right. uh, Jay, boring man. players win championships. Hey, you got, hey, you got, right. hey, you, hey, you got that right, producer. So, <laughs> uh, Jay, so uh, did you want to nominate the player to kind of close us up, and we'll get to the clutch shot? Yeah. So, uh, the player I'm nominating uh, is a player I don't believe in. Um, <laughs> 
We just recently discussed. Uh, uh, We're negative over here on the fantasy <laughs> unicorn side. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm, I, I'm going with Montrezl. Gotta have those pessimists. Uh, yeah. That's right. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, Montrez Harrell, he he fits the criteria perfectly for me as a player. Oh, Others man. might be high on because of the lack of all-around big man depth on this Clippers team. While I'm not really targeting him anywhere. Uh, I, Let's see, and I'll be kind of brief with this one because there's just one big reason why I'm fading Harold this year, and that's because he's been a high usage player over the Clippers uh, for the Clippers over the last year or two. Um, if I remember correctly, he was mm-hmm. tied for the second highest usage rate on his team last year. Uh, he was either tied for second or he was just barely down at third. But either way, he saw a similar usage rate to guys like Gallo, Lou Williams, and Tobias Harris. And when this team is fully healthy, you know how much can we expect that to continue? Um, Harold, you know, he was a nice spark plug uh, for this overachieving under underdog type team uh, behind a good coach. But you know, they didn't have anyone like Kawhi or Paul George before, and I don't know how necessary someone like that will be for a team like this when they're when they're healthy. You know, they won't need him to to do some of the things he did last season. And on top of that, as soon as free agency comes to a close, came to a close, you know, rumors immediately began swirling about how the Clippers need to acquire a better low usage center who can just be who can just come in and protect the paint better than Harold does. Um, and Montrez, Montrez Harold's only six foot eight. Um, right. now he, has, he has a nice frame and but I wouldn't be surprised to see LA trade for a guy like Steven Adams or maybe grabbing a guy who gets bought out. Now uh, again, don't hear what I'm not saying here. I don't expect Harold to completely fall off uh, the standard league radar. I still have him in the top 100 top 90-ish range of my redraft rankings. I just don't foresee him finishing around that top 75 marker again this year unless Paul George has a severe setback or Kawhi gets a lot more load management than expected, uh, which is something I don't see happening. But I don't think Kawhi gets the same amount of, of rest he got last season. And I'll close it out with one more uh, important point and I wanted that I wanted to hit on. Uh, we all know Paul George is set to miss the first six games of the season at least. If you own Montrez Harrell and he comes out on fire for the first four games or so and puts up you know, fifth round value or something like that so in those games. I try to sell high on him. Mm. Yeah, but yeah, it, it, it comes down to how high his usage was in previous seasons. I just don't expect it to to be at that rate again. Yep, yep. Uh, and uh, I'll pass you the ball, Tony. What's your thoughts on that? And thumbs up, thumbs down for Montrez Harrow, man. Yeah, I mean, as I as I said earlier in in my you know conversation that we had around. I think it's Zubats. Yep. Right. Yeah, I, I think it's you know I think it's a great pick. He's a definite, definitely someone who's going to be drafted high, right? Mm-hmm. Like people saw you know people saw what they saw last year. Last year I tried to get Harold in redraft because last year he was a great option, but this year because of the changing landscape in LA, I think Harold, you know, he's he's going to be good defensively for the Clippers, but he's not going to be great for them offensively. And, and maybe that's not what they need from him. But to that point, I mean, you have two ball hawks with Kawhi and Paul George. I mean, teams are not going to be getting inside very much. So, like, I don't really know what Montrez Harrell is really going to bring you outside of, you know, field goal percentage, right? And, like, rebounds. And... For me, I'm thinking in redraft, I can get that anywhere. I can get that. I can stream those stats um, if I need them. Uh, you know, I'd rather let this be someone else's problem um, because the, the front, the front, 
the front court rotation with LA, um, just with Zubac, who I think is just more in their in their plans for their future. Um, you know, we forget. I mean, they got away with a steal to get Zubac. They traded him for Mike Muscala. It was a horrible deal. Um, you know, back yeah. with the the now the now you know dearly departed uh, you know Magic Johnson. Uh, you know, it, I think the Clippers are saying. They're saying, man, we got to give this kid a chance because he's talented. And I just don't think that, that Harold is going to be given that chance. I just think that, that Zubac is the better player. And, and that's going to show over the course of the season. Yeah, for me, I, I just, just because I'm, a, I'm not a fan of a player doesn't necessarily mean they're not a good fantasy player. Because, I mean, obviously he provided some good stats last year. And you guys highlighted on all the, the great points already about Montrez Harold, especially with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. But I guess my question is, I, I understand from your logic, Jay, that you, you don't think too much love management on, is that on Kawhi Leonard's side this year? Is that what you believe, Jay, real quick? Right, yeah, I think I think the regular season, uh, it won't be as important to them as other teams, but it, it'll still mean something to them. They want that home court advantage, you know, the league's wide open, so um, I don't I don't think Kawhi gets as, as much load management as he did last year as a, as a Raptor when they were trying to keep him um, in town since he was a free agent. Right. Okay. Yeah, for me, it might be a little different. And, and it, what, you, what, what points you made definitely makes sense. I guess what I kind of question is like, you know, they, they've already came out with reports, you know, you know, he was going to be playing through preseason. He's already getting load management. But I, that's one thing. I understand it is preseason. It doesn't count. Um, but I am still a little concerned of the load management that maybe it will not be as much as games as, like you said, in Toronto. But that's still one thing that I'm still concerned about with him in particular. Just as you guys probably seen with the, the, the playoffs last year, Kawhi Leonard, man, he still was looking on the court like gimping all over the court. So I think they're going to be very, you know, safe with him. The thing is, you know, how many games I guess is going to be like they're going to allow him to play this year. And then obviously the, you know, the injury with uh, Paul George you had mentioned as well. I think you said he's going to miss the first six games. I think it was six to ten. So that's about right. And then at the same time. You know, Paul George could miss more games. So then at that point in time, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you guys made some points, too, about trying to flip him and sell high when he does produce with the high usage rate as well. But I guess my, my question is, is he going to finish the value out, you know, from last year? No, I don't think so. He finished at 72 overall this past season. The likelihood of him doing that this year is, to be honest, it is slim to none. Um, but... The thing is, with him in particular, now, I know you had mentioned Zubac as well, but who else is there in the front court? You know, uh, Jamichael, and that's not, that's not someone that I'm too proud of saying that's another decent player uh, for, hmm. for them in particular. So it's just Zubac, and I, gotta, I didn't pull up the depth chart, but by the looking of that front court, it's not too strong. So they're still utilizing him. Now, I know the usage rate is still going to be obviously high with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. They, you know, they're going to suck that up. But at times when they want to kick it out, it, you know, in between the basket, you know, Montrez Heralds will be there. And I still think he'll provide stats for them. Now, obviously, even if it's a dip in production, he may not be that player that, you know, like I said last year, but he might finish still in the, you know, the 90s or 100s. But that's not where I would advise to draft for the listeners or anybody that does drafts to get him in the, around that range because you're going to cut coupons essentially with him and get him at a cheaper range. And I, st- I would still buy in, but I would not be paying that premium cost what um, that may be perceived by. But I don't think his his price tag is really expensive right now. So, I mean, in that sense, um, I'm kind of like, if you're going to ask me, you know, is it a thumbs up, thumbs down in this aspect? Uh, I would say it's, it's, it's unfortunate. I'm going to cop out too on this, so I do apologize. 
Um, but I'll, I'll pass the ball there to Jacob. You know, what's your thoughts on Montrez Harrell, man? <laughs> you know what? You guys have made a lot a lot of good points on him. Um, and I personally, um, like you said, Starks, I'm not, I'm not a huge Harrell guy either. But I do see the merit in him because he's such a hustle guy. And, like, he gets those points and rebounds and that high field goal percentage uh, with those blocks. But last year he came out of nowhere mm-hmm. and I need to see that. I need to see that at least like, I know he was only 25 and maybe it's the start of something great, or maybe he just gave it his all last year and he's going to slow down this year, which is kind of what I see um, happening this year. Like Tony and Jay saying about Zubat. Uh, I really like him as well. I think, uh, I think he'll start for them and he'll get like 10, 10, and maybe two blocks, and finding blocks uh, is hard to do. Um, I, I, th- I personally think Doc Rivers loves him, and if Doc Rivers loves him, and he, and he's definitely not in any risk of getting a, a load management. I mean, he played all eighty-two games last year. I mean, that is that is exactly what I want on my team. I want a consistent That's guy. A good point. Because That's a good yeah, point. I mean availability is the best ability you know like you can draft uh lebron james in the first round if he misses 20 games it's like well you have that you know like you have that name on on your team but he's not giving you anything now if i know that harold he's only 26 years old or you know uh 25 26 years old he's going to play every game that's something that i want on my team and that i'm willing to not overpay for but if i see him at the right price you know like at, you know uh i'm not sure where he's going but if i see him in like the seventh round you know like sixth or seventh round which i don't know if that's later or earlier than where he's going i wouldn't mind taking him uh i don't think i have him on any of my teams but i wouldn't mind having a guy you know like an iron man on my team who plays um and gives me the you know and gives me those hustle stats but I completely agree with Jay. If he starts out on fire, I'm definitely going to look to sell high to someone who, uh, to someone who needs him and is willing to pay me uh, extra for him for sure. So hey, <laughs> oh, go ahead, go ahead. So in summation, um, I'm, a, I'm a thumbs up on him. I'll give him a thumbs up. I feel bad for him a little bit. So, <laughs> hey, hey, man, you, you definitely gave him a thumbs up. You talk about the seventh and eighth, eighth round range, and I'm, I'm ready to bench you for that. But no, I'm, I'm kidding, man. Just, in my get... points <laughs> rankings, man, I have him around in the sixties. Um, oh, you know, well, I mean, that makes sense in the points league. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know uh, you guys don't do uh, the points leagues, but you know, like it's gaining popularity right now, and I just, you know. Um, uh, I wanted to touch upon that. I mean, like he's a great get in a points league, uh, probably in the seventh round or so. So I guess in a nine cat, it's a little bit later. But I'm, I always have like a points league mindset at least for this year. I'm still in a few nine cat leagues, but I mean, I think uh, I think he'll be valuable there. He's definitely a thumbs up in points league, and he's still a thumbs up, he's still a thumbs up in a nine cat league at the right price for me. Sure, and, and nice. but you know, with a with Go a ahead. drop in with a drop in usage is going to come a drop in his points as well. You know, he averaged sixteen point six last year. Um, I expect that to come down at least just a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and and a few a few of his other stats should probably come down too. But yeah, I just <clears throat> it came down to the usage for me, 
And uh, he's on a really good contract. I think he only has one year left, and he's making like $6 million. And the Clippers have done a great job at putting themselves in a position to make a deal because with that Lou Williams contract that they signed to, you know, there's a lot of rumors swirling about, you know, his contract would be easily movable. They can combine those two guys to get an upgrade at center, you know, a better um, uh, sound defensive center in the paint to, to protect the rim and doesn't, you know, high usage, someone, uh, something like that. But, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see the Clippers make a huge move, something like that during the season because that's like their, that is their weakest link in the chain is um, a true a true big man who mm-hmm. kind of fills the role that, you know, if you could put Montrez Harrell and Ivica Zubats together, you would have a great, a great center for that team. So maybe they, <laughs> they could, uh, you yeah, know, we, yeah, we wish that would happen, man. Right. <laughs> I like, kind of like the Celtics front court as well, you know, right. Exactly. Yeah. So with that being they said, they could do like the Dragon Ball Z fusion. Oh, fusion. They'll do the Dragon Ball Z fusion. <laughs> with, thing, put, you know? put, the, put their oh, fingers my. together, man. Right. The fingers <laughs> together. That's how they'll, yeah, that's we, how we, they need to make it. That's that's what they need to do. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I guess we're gonna go ahead with the clutch shot, Jay. I'm sure you're familiar with this, brother. Um, for this clutch shot this evening, morning, afternoon, wherever you may be in the fantasy world, I just want to say, well, actually, my clutch shot is I want to apologize to you guys because I overstayed. The, you guys is welcome in that in that aspect. I guess what I'm saying is I held your time longer than I wanted to. Oh or man, it was, I it was fun. I, I appreciate you guys coming on last minute. So, you know, humble to have you. Especially Can't complain you t- talking about basketball. Cannot <laughs> right. So, yeah. So definitely thank you guys for coming on. Uh, you know, actually, Tony, where can they find you out on Twitter, man? Yeah. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at who's underscore your underscore Papa. Right. <laughs> Jay, 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 where can I find you at, man? Yeah, yeah, catch me on Twitter at Fantasy NBA Layup, and you know, feel free to check out the Fantasy Unicorns podcast, the FantasyUnicorns.com website. Come, you know, if once you once you go check out um, Starks's website, you know, come if you still have some spare time, come check out our stuff too. You know, we're we're all in this together. You know, fantasy yeah. basketball, we we try to we try to stick to stick with each other, man. Yeah, nice nice quick plug there. We definitely have what. Definitely check out the, the Fantasy Unicorns um, information as far as their website and their podcast. They're doing awesome stuff over there. So uh, that was my clutch shot. You guys, can, uh, Jacob, you want to take a clutch shot to, you know, start everybody else off? Oh, yeah, man. I just wanted to say how, you know, um, it was it was it was awesome meeting you guys and actually talking basketball with you guys. It was great. And like you said, Jay, you know, you know, this is this is a community and you know it's great to talk basketball with other websites and to get your guys's opinion and to just help you guys out the listener you know like i hope you guys take everything that we said and i hope that you guys uh make it your own and not just take everything that we say as perfect but you do your own research with our help because we're just here to help, like everyone here would agree with me on that for sure. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, Tony, you want you got a clutch shot, man? Uh, yeah, I, uh, I, I guess my 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 clutch shot would be uh, the Atlanta Falcons suck. Um, <laughs> That's close. Hey, 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 the Cowboys suck too, man. Yeah. <laughs> That was a rough game with with the Jet losing to the Jets. That's, oh my god! That's rough. Um, I mean, it's you know, uh, being an Atlanta sports fan is uh, is to no pain. 
and suffering. Um, but at the very least, I have I'm 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 serenaded and supported by the uh, by the oncoming basketball season. Very much right. looking forward to that, and uh, cannot wait to uh, to start seeing some meaningful games as opposed to these really silly preseason games against like random teams that I don't know. Um, definitely looking forward to when the games matter. Nice, Jay. You got a clutch shot, man. Um, yeah, I'm, I don't want to sound like I'm running, rubbing anything in, but I just want to say it's a great time to be a Louisiana sports fan. Uh, LSU is uh, winning. The Saints are winning. Uh, this is what this is God. what Saints fans do. <laughs> and this is why no one likes them. Oh, this is why no one likes them. But anyway, whatever. Go, go ahead, go ahead, Jay. Look, okay, I'll just close it out with this. You know, Zion looks like the real deal, but my boy <laughs> that we talked about earlier, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, this might have been his worst preseason game so far, but he still put up 13, 5, and 7 with one steal, one block, and two threes. So, you know, like we mentioned earlier, it's going to be hard to keep him off the court. He's got to get on there one way or another. Yep, I want my hands on him. So, you guys, thank you for joining us on the podcast. Um, again, you can find me on my Twitter handle at Starks underscore industry. Find me on Instagram, one closing hero. Check out our website, newlifefantasy.com. Uh, we have some updates with our rankings as well as, you know, articles that uh, Jacob was providing out, pumping them out a lot. So we appreciate mm. that. Um, so with that being said, you guys have a good evening, morning, afternoon and take a ride.